This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. You jumped up and... That's Austin Nate, who is going to be that guy. And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. For screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I waxed poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello to offense 51 yards! Brennan, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Gotta continue. I just got Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. I'm... Well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies for her treatment and out of time. We'll get to rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time and Central time is the hoax. That means it's time for the Debbie Debate brought to you by CampusDecant.com. That's Matt Bruning, that's Austin Nace, and I'm Felix Sharp on a spicy version of tonight's show. The Debbie Debate crew selects my guys for the upcoming college season. Is De'Eric King the one quarterback you'd take in 21? But we in 2021, but we start with new state laws that will change the NCAA landscape. Effective July 1, laws will go into effect in five states, including Mississippi, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, and New Mexico, governing student athletes' abilities to sell their name, image, and likeness. Austin, tell me, tell us a little bit more about what's going on. Yeah, so all five of the states, uh, the, the bills more or less mirror each other. You know, there there are slight language differences here or there but basically now a lot of these guys are going to be able to um, profit off their likeness you know do commercials where um, you know whatever shoes or or other type of gear they want uh, from whatever brand they want um, opening the door for a lot of those things there are um, some safeguards in place across most of the states you know you have to uh, report the opportunity to the school before you take it in most places here um, Three of the states uh, allow you to hire an agent or, you know, uh, not like in the broader sense of a sports agent, but just a representative to help you negotiate these deals. Um, just a couple other interesting tidbits I pulled out from some of these states. You know, New Mexico is not going to turn into a powerhouse here just because they have this. Um, but they, um, they're, they're, New Mexico's bill says student athletes cannot be full, uh, compelled to forfeit their right to earn money um, by any um 
any any one or any entity. Um, Alabama says that you cannot promote tobacco or vape products under their law, which I thought was just uh, very, very interesting. Um, Mississippi, there's actually really nothing unique about theirs. It pretty much mirrors the others. Georgia has a very interesting provision, which allows, or there's a clause in there, which all the schools are going to opt out of, which states that colleges can elect that all student athletes have to share up to 75% of what they earn with the school, basically get put into a giant escrow and then is uh, paid out on a pro-rated basis based on how long you were at the school once you leave the school. So you don't get it while you're there. All the money basically goes into this pool. You're there for four years. You graduate. You get whatever your share of those funds are. Most schools in the state have already said that they are not going to do that. Georgia's athletic director, for instance, has already come out and said they are not going to take part. And Florida has like this poison pill in here, which is freaking awesome which says that if the NCAA or anybody else tries to punish Florida's schools uh, for taking advantage of these laws, that they are required to leave the NCAA. Really, really interesting. I thought that was, um, you know, uh, it's an amendment that was kind of thrown in late in the process. Um, I really like that because I think, you know, if, if more of those states put that in, that could, that could signal the end of the NCAA. And none of us like the NCAA. So um, just just some interesting tidbits across all of them. I still don't think anything is settled here. You know, the NCAA is trying to pass their own law that has not uh, taken shape yet. So the states have kind of had the onus placed on them. So this landscape is going to shift a lot over the next few years. Um, just interesting. Uh, and I, I don't know if any of these schools are going to see a an advantage in the short term, you know, because Georgia, Alabama and Florida, you know, it's hard to tell if any of them. They already recruit well. It's hard, it's hard to say if, if they'll reap any benefits. We cannot hear you for some reason there, Felix. I don't know that we know yet what's going to happen. You know, it. I think it could become the wild, wild west um, because, I mean, you know, JoJo Earl, Bryce Young, um, JT Daniels, they can start – getting contracts from Nike and Adidas that's never, we've never seen that happen before. We don't really know what it's going to look like. Once the summer gets here, the NCAA, I've read a little bit about this. The NCAA, it appears was waiting for Congress to act for some federal law to be passed in regards to this issue. They have it. And we're on the doorstep of this date. So, you know, I, you say that it won't, it won't, um, uh, affect New Mexico, but damn it, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, if they can sell to a recruit that, hey, you can come here and you can get a McDonald's deal, I mean, that's a big deal. And I don't, maybe we don't know right now what's, how it's going to look, but I think it, it's going to be interesting once we get there. I think that we're going to see things pop up and it's going to be very similar to how the, uh, the transfer rule worked where that the transfer rule was uh, instituted and we didn't really see, we didn't really know how it was going to affect college football. And it's had a major impact. I think that this could even have um, a more significant impact on, on college football than, than, than the transfer rule. But burning, what do you, uh, you, any thoughts on this name image likeness uh, thing that's going around? No, I'm. Just, I'm. I mean, I'm glad that it, it's happening. It's making making its way into college football. I think it's one of those things with uh, 
possible expansion of playoffs, which we talked about last week, is something that could help kind of level out the playing field in college, allowing some of these guys to go to different schools, especially, you know, make a make a little bit of money while we're there, especially if they do expand the playoffs. Because now you're talking about going from 12, 13, 14 games. Some of these guys are playing with a national championship to all of a sudden 15 games, possibly 16 games, which pros are playing. And those guys are at least getting paid millions of dollars where right now these college kids aren't. So if they're now given the chance to, to make a little bit of money, I'm all for it. All right. Um, well, it'll be interesting to see. We'll be here in July, so um, we'll see who signs the biggest deal first. A few housekeeping issues before we move on. Um, we are starting a listener league. A listener league. We were throwing back ideas with how are we going to start this thing? How are we going to select um, uh, people to to join? And we're just going to take emails telling us why you should be in the Debbie Debate Listener League. It's going to be obviously a campus to Canton league, fourteen team, two quarterback on the uh, college side with a super flex added super flex on the college side. I think I can yes. uh, coax Austin and Matt to to get that, and then super flex on the NFL side. So, Debbie Debate Listener League, we've been talking about it for a long time. We're finally doing it. So, get your entries into debbiedebate at gmail.com. Email us and tell us why you should be in the Debbie Debate League. Other housekeeping issue. We we said that we would give away this Javante Williams signed jersey. Hold it up, Matt. The Javante Williams signed jersey. Once we got to 60 reviews on um, Apple Podcasts, we're at 53. So we need seven of you slackers to go give us a five-star rate and review and you know tell us you like the show, get in the drawing for the Javante Williams jersey. All right, um, moving on. Pro Football Focus tweeted something interesting, as they're always doing. I don't know if they're trolling us or, or what, it, what it really is, but uh, Pro Football Focus tweeted, which one of these four quarterbacks would you take for the 2021 season? DJ Uyunglele, De'Eric King, Sam Howell, or Spencer Rattler? One of these things is not like the other, but Matt, who are you taking out of these four? If it's just for the 2021 season, I am going to slightly lean Rattler because I do think Oklahoma is going to have the better season out of the four quarterbacks on there. I would have gone I'm so confused at that type there. But anyways, um I one I, of these things is not like the others. Right. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> Damn it, Austin. All right, anyways. Um, <laughs> if it was like, who am I taking in a C2C? It's definitely going to be DJU. I actually answered this question for one of our listeners. They tagged the Debbie Debate account in the other day, ranking a bunch of these guys with DJU and Bryce Young in it. I think DJU clearly has more upside. I take him over the other four. But if we're talking about just for one season and 2021, Felix, I know you've been kind of on the bandwagon for a while. This is the year Oklahoma not only gets into the playoffs, but gets their, their first playoff win. And I think Rattler is going to be probably the best out of those four that PFF listed. Austin, who you got? This is such a tough question because I actually don't really feel that good about any of them. There's actually not a single quarterback in college football right now that I feel great about, especially their pro prospects. There just really isn't. I, th I could poke holes in any of these guys all day long. I think I like Sam Howell. I like Spencer Rattler. I think I like DJU, but I've only seen a game and a half. So, you know, I like what I've seen. Um, if, if, if you made me choose one, I'll probably take DJ just because I think he's the most physically gifted of the group. Um, and um, I liked what I saw 
in his very brief appearances last year. Um, but I don't think any of like I, I just don't feel great about any of these guys being top tier NFL quarterbacks. It's interesting because Spence, uh, Spencer Rattler is my number one quarterback at campus2can.com, but I'm actually here for one season. I'm probably going Sam Howell. Sam Howell has the experience. And if you think about all uh, all things being equal, if you put the same weapons around the uh, each of these quarterbacks, I would probably trust Sam Howell the most. Uh, Spencer Rattler is as talented as he is. He's really mistake for prone DJ Uyunglele is is going to be you know a first year full-time starter and Derek King's not not in this conversation so for that reason I'm going with the three-year starter who has done nothing but perform since his uh, true freshman season you guys need to let us know what you think about Austin sound because he got a he's got a fancy smancy new microphone so um maybe you can even comment it comment on it in if, if you give us a review all right all right, Chris Moxley, get in here. Get in here. We are going to play a game this evening, and uh, Mr. Moxley is going to unmute himself and host the game. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Chris. What you got? All right. So we're playing a My Guys for the 2021 season game, and here's how it's going to work. Austin, Felix, and Matt each get five players that they've chosen as their My Guys. Uh, each will nominate one each. We'll go through – all three guys uh, make the case for them. And then at the end of the round, I will assign who I think is the winner based on what they, they've made for their, uh, the cases they made for their players. We'll do five rounds and whoever has the most points at the end will uh, win. Any questions about the rules, fellas? I want, I will have the most points at the end. That's what I want. You want what? I want that Javante Williams jersey if I win. No, fuck off. You wouldn't let me you wouldn't let me be entered into the jersey giveaways for your podcast. You can you can get right out of here with that stuff. Even if you win it, I'll ship it to Moxley so I can get some of that hot sauce. <laughs> All right. So Bruning, I'm gonna let you go first. We'll That's follow true. up with Austin and then we'll Felix will round us out for round one. Who who would you like me to talk about first there, Mr. Moxley? Uh let's do it in order of your list. Oh, okay. So we get to start with my guy Grant Gannell, who's been getting like burned all over Twitter today with, wow. with some some stuff that I talked about. I know he's you know it's not really that exciting and everything, but I will say I approach this in a little bit of uh, probably a different aspect than Felix and Austin did. We we talked about this a little bit a couple days ago, and we were not really given any parameters on what we were doing here. Since I've been doing a little bit of a series over at Campus Two Canton for this at the website, I'm going to stick with that, and I, I kind of attack guys that I think are going to have good college seasons this year that are being undervalued in C2C drafts that I also think possibly have some NFL upside. I know Felix and Austin are going to disagree with that right off the bat there with Grant Cannell, but I still like him a lot. I think he's being kind of hated on for not really getting much playing time here. So in high school in Texas at St. Pius X, I think is how you say it. I'm not really sure. In Houston, uh, he passed for 16,000 yards, 195 touchdowns, and 28 interceptions. Now I understand that was in high school. If you go back and look at the quarterbacks that have come out of Texas, that's actually pretty impressive, especially with the fact that uh, that is still currently the state record in all three of those. He, he's been a very good quarterback. He goes to Arizona. I believe Austin and Colin mentioned this on their podcast, Campus to Canton, uh, that he was actually 
committed to going somewhere else and then kind of followed Kevin Sumlin. He was going to go Texas A&M. Kevin Sumlin got fired. He goes to Arizona. I, I agree with you, Fix. I don't know why, but he followed Kevin Sumlin. You know, those coaches and players, they, they build those relationships, uh, and it matters to them. So he followed him over there. That first season, he did not get to play very much. He really only kind of came in when uh, their starting quarterback, Khalil Tate, got hurt. Still came in and put up decent stats. I mean, 101 passes, 155 attempts for 1,239 yards, nine touchdowns, one interception, 65 point two completion percentage again really as a backup he coming in a couple series when Khalil Tate got hurt but overall did not play that much comes in net last year in 2020 obviously COVID Pac-12 just like the Big Ten kind of completely fucked everything up they they should have just started playing from the beginning like everybody else but they didn't and they only ended up getting in a four-game schedule Gannell didn't actually play in those four games he only played in two it shows he played in four however in the second game of the season, he got knocked out in the first uh, first drive with a shoulder injury, did not come back into the game. And then in the last game, unfortunately, um, he got pulled, I believe it was early in the second quarter after Arizona State was up on them. I think it was like 45 to nothing or something. And that was the game that Arizona State would go on to beat them 72-17, I believe was the final score. So Gannell only got a chance to play in two games last year. That being said, I think he's got a very good arm. He was top 12 in both big-time throws and, tur- and turnover play, turnover-worthy plays last year per PFF, uh, as in he did not have a lot of turnover play, turnover-worthy plays. Uh, I think he's got really good zip on his ball. He throws the ball with little effort and little motion, but just gets a ton of, of zip and velocity on it. He can throw deep, although he did not do much of it last year. As uh, Austin has pointed out to me, his A dot was just six yards. I will also point out that um, who on Arizona would you be throwing the ball to on that team? Absolutely no one because their wide receivers suck. So, The biggest reason why I am big on him this year is him going to Memphis. I think that he is a good player, and if he gets time, I don't think he's going to come out this year. I do think he's probably a two-year player there at Memphis. But Memphis was a top offense last year. They were 8th in pass attempts, 10th in passing yards, and finished 17th in overall offense last year with Ryan Silverfield, who was there as well with, I believe it was Norvell. Is that correct, Austin? I always always get him mixed up. Mike Norvell was there the year before with Memphis. Is that correct? Okay. So he's been kind of under Mike Norvell, was the offensive coordinator, and then became the head coach. So he's kind of kept that offense very close intact there. Brady White. Last year was taking the snaps for Memphis. If you guys don't know who Brady White is, he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, and he probably couldn't throw it farther than my my seven year old son. Uh, no disrespect to Brady White, because I actually thought he was a breakout player last year, uh, but he is just not a a overall really good quarterback. Where Grant Gano, I think, has much better arm talent than Brady White. Brady White finishes the seventh best quarterback last year in points in college fantasy football. Again, with with that skill set, he also had what was it? Um, so Grant Gannell, I think, coming in there is clearly – um, man, I'm getting all messed up here. I'm just trying to switch back between multiple different things. So Brady White threw for 3,500 yards and 30-plus touchdowns last year. I think Grant Gannell could easily match that, if not go over that, in an offense that was actually what he was running in high school. He is used to running fast plays, calling plays at the line offense, which is what Ryan Silverfield does. On top of that, right now, you are looking at Grant Gannell going off the board with his ADP of 163 right now um, in the 13th round. I think getting a quarterback like that who can clearly put up top 12, I mean, again, Brady White finished as the seventh-best quarterback last year. I think Grant Gannell could easily match that numbers, if not do better 
than that. And you're getting him as the 20th quarterback off the board and in the set, what was it, 13th round, I think I said? I can't remember now. Yeah, 13th round. That's a steal to me in college to Canton Leeds. Even if he ends up going into the NFL and not panning out like I think he does, but I do think if he goes out two good years, granted that 2023 class is loaded, and I'm not saying he's going to beat out DJU, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. I'm not saying he's going to beat out those guys, but if he can get that second-round draft capital, you've won, in my opinion, with value. Getting him that late in the draft, having a guy who's going to finish likely top 10, I would say at worst top 12 in college football this year, and he's going to get draft capital. That's the most anyone has ever spent talking about Grant Canal. I mean, that's the you longest Grant. Hope you're watching. that anyone has ever spent talking about Grant Canal, Including his parents. I will say, I will say one thing. I did forget the negative. I don't love his throwing motion, so I will say that. All right, Austin, take it away. Cool. So my first guy that I put down is wide receiver Jaden Wally uh, at Mississippi State there. Uh, just to his little bit of background, he was a three-star athlete in last year's class. He is listed at six foot 180, and he was not a heavily, heavily recruited guy because he played mostly quarterback before shifting uh, more to a wide receiver as a senior. So take notes, Kadarius Tony stands. That is how a QB converts to wide receiver in college by uh, breaking out in a major way his freshman year. Um, statistically, last year, uh, he broke basically every Mississippi State freshman wide receiver record. And he sits right on Jarek's magic line in a weighted dominator rating uh, amongst other important uh, metrics. But I know in the weighted dominator is one of the more telling ones. I don't have any athletic testing on Wally, but I do know that just from watching him, you know, he he's he's an above average athlete. And I think, you know, that's probably selling him a little bit short. He is a very good athlete. He's extremely quick. Um, he has pretty good long speed. So, you know, the, those are two things that, that I prefer. He has, especially is not a, a huge oversized guy at the position. Um, but, but the big thing that I like about him and why I think he's just going way too late in these C2C drafts, I think his ADP is ninth or 10th round right now for us is that he is, you know, he is going to be the number one receiving option in a Mike Leach offense. And I don't know if, if people necessarily can comprehend or know what Mike Leach's number one wide receiver has done in fantasy, uh, for the past, you know, he's been coaching really as a head coach at major programs since 2000. So I went back to 2000. I pulled the leading receiver for fantasy purposes, self-calculated all the points as if it was a full PPR league. And this is what I came up with. 2000, his leading receiver put up 187 fantasy points that year. 2001, 138. But then 2002, 233. And then 260, 271, 210, 299, 462. Freaking Michael Crabtree, yeah, that he put up the best receiving season in, in college football history. There, he put up 134, 1962, and 22 that year. Um, but then, you know, 327, 185, 163, 196, 308, 313, 256, 207, 185, 248. That's the the amount of fantasy points each year that the leading receiver in the Mike Leach offense has put up. Wally, by the end of last year, was on pace to put up one of these 250 plus point seasons. I have no concern that he won't if he stays healthy for the year just because of how Leach sets up his offenses. And I think that unlike a lot of these guys, if you go through the list, like I, I didn't mention the names for obvious reasons because you wouldn't recognize most of them. Crabtree and Welker are really the only two relevant guys. Those are also the guys that put up the, the biggest seasons of them. And I think that that um, that Wally is a legitimate NFL prospect, unlike some of these other guys. 
So I think, you know, you're going to get huge NFL or college production for the next two years. And then I think he's at least a minimum a day two wide receiver. I really, really do. I think he's not that far behind like a Jordan Addison or someone like that. He goes way after some of these guys in drafts. Give me all the Jaden Wally, his current value, because I think by this time next year, we're talking about him as a, you know, he'll go in Debbie drafts if, if it's longer than a, a round or two. And I think that he's, he's going to be a top three or four round pick in C2C startups. Just in case you missed it, he's going in the eighth round right now, currently ADP of 98.5. Cool. So I was close. I said ninth. It was eighth. So. Um, and my guy for this, la- for this last uh, player in this round is Troy O'Meary. Troy O'Meary, who, a player that I've been kind of shouting about for a little while now. If you haven't caught my article on Burnt Orange Nation, I encourage you to go find that. I think if you type Troy O'Meary's name, it's the second uh, result um, there in Google. Listen, this is a guy who was a, a three-star prospect, according to 24-7 Sports, coming out of uh, Sugarland, Texas, um, and he was going to take Brennan Eagles' spot as a true freshman. Brennan Eagles was a senior. Brennan Eagles is, uh, I think, playing for the, the Cowboys or Texans now as an undrafted free agent. He was running with the runs. He was showing to be Sam Ellinger's safety blanket. This is a player who's 6'3", 230, and he essentially creates his own zip code on the football field. He has excellent hands. Um, he, there are some cuts of, of him grabbing balls with, with one hand, just plucking them out of the air. Uh, his coach, Mike, uh, I can't say his last his name, but he's, his high school coach said that uh, that's the first time he realized that Troy O'Meary was a, a player is when he made this one a left-handed, one-handed catch with another player uh, draped around him, um, tore his ACL last year, but and then was limited through the uh, the spring. But then started the spring game, started the spring game with a brace, with a black jersey, no contact jersey on, and looked spry. They got Steve Sarkeesian there. Either Casey Thompson or Hudson Card, probably Casey Thompson, um, is going to be throwing him the ball, and he's just he is a a quarterback's dream because he's not very difficult to throw to. Now, Texas has liked these bigger wide receivers in the past. Brennan Eagles, I can't remember the other guy's name who was there the season before, um, but Troy O'Meary moves differently than those guys. Much more athletic, much more explosive. Had he uh, stuck around for the spring of his senior year, he would have competed in the 200-meter dash in the state champion ship in Texas. So again, this is a, a, a player who, who uh, uh, can create his own galaxy. You can just throw it up to him and, uh, and he'll make the, make the catch six, three, two He has an excellent body for the position and he moves well. So Troy O'Meara is my first, uh, my guy for the 2021 season. Are we keeping this in order, Chris? Are you you switching up any of the people? Well, he's going to score it now, Chris. Oh, who, okay. won, who won that round? I lost. So okay. I have to I have to go with Austin. Uh, I'm a big Jaden Wally fan. I think that he kind of hit the high notes of. Yeah, take your bias out of it. If I do that, I'm Tavion Robinson and and all these other guys. He, he he's not wrong though. He hit a 20 percent weighted dominator, 1.29 yards per team pass attempt, with four straight 100 yard games. I think you spoke to the Ganell questions that. He is, he is an uncommon throwing motion, to put it nicely, but 
He wasn't super impressive. And then Troy O'Meary just hasn't done it yet. I, I, I think we need to see more uh, or some period. Um, we've already seen Jaden Walla be productive. So I think Austin um, takes this first round home. Well, who gets second? You got to give second and third. Well, I think I like Troy O'Meary. I think Troy, I think Troy O'Meary was running, like Felix said, he was running with the ones. Uh, he was about to take over. He has great size at 6'3". And then um, I think he's, like like Felix said, he's going to see Sarkeesian offense. So I, th- I think it's wheels up for him. And then I do think you're right about Gunnell being a high-level producer. No, no, no. At, you don't have to pander to me. I lost. It's cool. I, no, I, I will he's say next. he's a high-level producer at the, at the college level. I don't see NFL upside. So that's why he comes in third. I do think he is going to have a great year, to be fair. Am I going you came in next? last, Bruning. I know. I'm, I'm going to come in last with all these. But that's okay. Because I'm going to end up being right at the end list of the year. Is bad. Am I next? Am I next? Am I going again? Uh, yeah, I'll let you go first because you finished last. Okay. All right. So next up, I'm already going to go ahead and take the L on this one as well because he doesn't have all the analytic stuff that Chris is looking for. And that's Calvin Austin, who is at Memphis. Uh, I did a little tweet thread on him before as well a couple days ago, or maybe it was last week at this point. I don't remember. Two-sport athlete in high school. He was a track star and uh, played football. He played running back, defensive back, wide receiver there at high school. Ended up finishing with 74 catches, 1,513 yards, 24 receiving touchdowns, rushed for 558 yards, eight touchdowns. Um, Also had 49 uh, touchdowns. Was that 24? I'm sorry, 24 receiving touchdowns as well. On the running back side, eight rushes, uh, six punt returns, four interceptions, two fumble returns for touchdowns. So he did it all on the football field and then was a legit track star as well in high school. Did not get recruited, though he did play in Memphis's backyard uh, to Memphis. He was overlooked by Mike Norvell. He ended up uh, getting a scholarship to play on the track team and actually walked on. Uh, to the uh, football team for Memphis, but he did help the Memphis team in his freshman year because he only played in a couple games and then redshirted, uh, broke a 45-year-old record with the 4 by 100 meter relay, and his team also set a relay record at the conference championships as well, which was uh, held for quite a while. Did not do much his freshman year, as I just mentioned. He redshirted and didn't do much his sophomore year either. He had DeMonte Coxie there, who was getting targeted a lot by uh, Brady White at the time. But as in coming into 2020, a lot of people who like DeMonte Coxie know that he opted out due to COVID. I think it was health reasons or something with his family. I can't remember exactly what happened, but he ended up opting out, which gave Calvin Austin the chance to kind of dominate here. And he did. Came in with a 32 uh, weighted dominator rating, 32% weighted dominator rating. Again, breakout year at three, which I know is a, not great. Jarek and Chris will tell you that you want to see that in the first or second year if they expect you to be really good. He did not get that, obviously. Then you come in with, uh, he played uh, 21% of his snaps uh, in the slot, 79 out wide. So he can do it all, but he's not a very big wide receiver. 5'9", 170. The thing I like about him is he's got track speed, but he plays football. A lot of people would look at him and say, oh, no, he's a football player or he's a track player who who goes out there and tries to play football. No, no, he can actually play football, and he has that track speed. Again, I already talked about this with Memphis's offense last year, eighth in pass attempts, tenth in passing, uh, and Calvin Austin was ridiculous last year with that. And again, with Brady White, I think Grant Gannell coming over there, you know, say what you want about his his passing motion and his deep passes. I mentioned it. His A dot was just six yards. Well, guess what? That's exactly where Calvin Austin works in the field is right there in the short intermediate area. Once he gets the ball, I think due to him being a running back in the past and his speed, 
He can make a ton of plays in the passing game. I think he's going to have a massive breakout this year. Uh, he's going right now as the 61st wide receiver off the board in the 12th round with an ADP of 148.67. Last year, again, with Brady White, he finishes the number one scoring wide receiver in fantasy football for college side. Now, points per game, I believe he was down at seven. I'm trying to see if I can find that really quick. Uh, I don't know where I put that, but he did not finish number one, but points wise, he finished number one overall in college as uh, the best player. So again, you're getting a guy who likely upgrading quarterback second year in this offense was a number one scoring wide receiver last year. And he's going off the board as the 61st wide receiver. I mean, that's just ridiculous in my opinion. He, I put up uh, the graph on him, which it'll be coming out in an article, I think hopefully Friday or Saturday. I just finished writing it today and compared him with a couple of the guys that he's being kind of linked to by his size and weight. Anthony Schwartz, Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Eskridge and Anthony Miller. And in his third year, he goes over that magical little line that, uh, that Jarek has and is by far quickly quicker over any of those guys that I just mentioned, including Anthony Miller, who has been good in the NFL outside of his injuries. Like if he wasn't injured, I think Anthony Miller would be a much better wide receiver than we're giving him credit for. And Calvin Austin so far through his college career has outproduced Anthony Miller. Now he's going to have to have a really good season this year to outproduce him was Anthony Miller jumped up big time in that fourth year. Uh, but I do think that he's able to do it because in that third year, he's just a shade under him as, again, I mentioned, improving quarterback second year in that system. I think Calvin Austin is primed for a massive breakout, and you're getting him as, in my opinion, a steal. I mean, Austin, I think you got him even later than that in the draft that we just did. Uh, and and it's, again, number one scoring wide receiver in college fantasy football last year, and you're getting him usually around the 61st wide receiver off the board. I got him as the last pick in the 18th round. Yes, I was very, very happy about that. Yeah, I know, because I was hoping to take him right there at that turn, and you took him. All right, Felix, I'm going to let you go next. Ah, surprise. Okay, um, my second player, my guy for this season, and I don't have two minutes on this guy, um, but it's Anthony Richardson, the quarterback from Florida. I have – Highlighted uh, one big athlete. I'm going to highlight another one, 6'4", 230 pounds. I think it's safe to say that Anthony Richardson is probably the best athlete at the quarterback position in the country. And uh, talking to Adam, friend of the show, friend of you know us, uh, Adam Lewis, about um, what he expects for that quarterback rotation to be, he expects Emory Jones to get 80% of the snaps. However, I could see Florida utilizing some sort of goal line rotation, just like when Chris Leak and Tim Tebow were there. Uh, once you get to the red zone, Anthony Richardson being the option because you know he improves your numbers on the offensive line and in your blocking scheme if you bring him there to kind of be a goal line back. And plus, again, he's 6'4", 230. We saw a little bit of what he could do in that bowl game against Oklahoma where he had seven seven carries for 61 yards through a touchdown pass. He's very raw. And if I remember correctly, I think Alan True told us that Anthony Richardson had never worked with like a quarterback's coach because he was playing three sports. So um, this is a player that, you know, he's a, he's a, a, a wet ball of clay. He has the physical tools. He has the arm strength. He just, he, he never he never even threw for over 2000 i think he never even threw for over uh, 1500 yards in high school um but he's a tremendous athlete 
I don't normally he is he is legitimately someone who could who could make the switch to like wide receiver and probably be just fine. I do want to see what he looks like at the quarterback position, but you know, he's going to be sitting behind the number 6 overall pick in the draft, Emory Jones according to uh to PFF. So, Anthony, when I cons- considered this question, it was like who are the guys that I really want to see? Um, it, w- it didn't have anything to do with ADP or value in campus to camp leagues. It's like guys that I'm going to be paying paying attention to, and Anthony Richardson is right up there as one of those guys that I'm going to be paying attention to, no matter how many snaps he gets at Florida this year, because he's going to be a fun player to watch. Uh, the old say, "I don't have two minutes and then talk for three. I like it. I like it. Um, so my second guy here is actually I don't have a ton to talk about with him just because it's he's a second year guy, but he's a Pac-12 guy and in he he didn't play really last year because nobody really played in that conference last year. Uh it's Jalen McMillan, uh, who's at Washington, uh four-star kid last year, high four star. He's number eleven overall wide receiver in the class, and he was a top one hundred player uh there. He's six one, one ninety. Um, yeah, he he played in three games last year. He had one catch for 16 yards. Their passing attack was not exactly prolific last year. Um, but I I mean, I, I liked him coming out of high school, and I think that they don't have any other receivers there. You know, Puka was thought that he might be the guy to finally step up. He's transferring to BYU. Kate Otten will probably lead that, lead that offense in receiving, um, at least if Dylan Morris stays a quarterback, just because he's not very good. But... Uh, you know, McMillan, 4'5", 340 guy in high school, you know, over 30-inch vert, 4-2-1 uh, shuttle. Like, he's, he's a very good athlete. He's kind of a poor man's Rakeem Jarrett. I think they play stylistically very, very similar. We saw Jarrett break out last year, and I think McMillan can do something similar this year, even if it's a lower-volume passing attack. Um, and, and I think, by all reports, he's, he's one of the starters in that offense. Him and Rome Adunze, who I almost talked about over McMillan, just because I think no one's talking about Odunze. Um, but I, I just really like McMillan, another guy that you know he's going in like the seventh round of of um, C2C startups. Actually, in, I, in a league that I just did, I just took McMillan in the seventh and Wally in the eighth, and I mean I, I was very very happy with that. Um, so it, it would not shock me at all if we're talking about McMillan a lot more this time next year. Who wins, Moxley? So this is a tough one because I think it's hard to balance college production with NFL potential. Um, but I, I gave it to Austin again because I think McMillan is the one with the most NFL potential. But it was very, very close with Calvin Austin. The, the issue with Austin is that he is 5'9", 162. That is very, me out. very tiny. Um, You're stressing me out. He's... He's, he's a phenomenal player. He'll probably be top five, top 10 in, among wide receivers in college. I think McMillan's the one that has upside, and he's close to being their lead receiver in that offense. Um, like you said, Richardson's going to play like 20% of snaps. There's no I, – I don't know how I could possibly put him again above other guy in this, in this debate. Sorry. Whatever. Who's go, who goes first this time? <laughs> well, I'm going to let you go first because uh, you finished last. <laughs> that's so funny when it happens to you mr sharp <laughs> well i've got a good one here my third my guy for this season is running back out of south florida uh brian Bate. i think brian Bate is what we want jerry on ely to be um this is a small explosive um five eight one seventy that his nickname is bullet 
bullet potay in his freshman season last year. Remember, you got COVID shortened everything, all that stuff. He only had like eight carries for his first um, uh, four games, then finished with 10, 13, and 15 carries. (coughs) 10 for 76, 13 for 86, and then 15 for 102. Averaged on the season 7.2 yards per per attempt. Um, I just like this player. I I think I can't I, I think I was watching um them play Central Florida and he was just running all over the place very difficult to tackle very sudden very bursty and very fast and I cannot wait I cannot wait for this little dude to get a full season he's going to be splitting carries with Jaron Mangum from Detroit King Detroit stand up uh there at South Florida um but I but I you know that's a program that is rebuilding and and little Bront Bullet Bate is going to be right in the middle of it. And, and if you can watch some uh, South Florida games this season, pay attention to this little dude because he's going to be really fun to watch. Does that mean I'm going next since I was the second loser, however you want to put it? You were the second winner, but yes. Uh, I, I consider that second loser. So, all right, I'm going, I don't even know how to say his last name, to be honest with you, but I, I'm the only one who had the balls enough to go a tight end here and not just go with all these running backs and, and wide receivers. I'm going Brant. Is it, how do you say his last name, Austin? I'm pretty sure it's Quaith. Quaith. Okay. Brant Quaith out of Utah. Uh, he's a little bit undersized. He's six foot. I don't even have his weight here. I think he's actually six one, but he's obviously not quite, uh, I think he's two thirty. So he's already kind of has that going against him. And the fact that he's not six, three ish forward and, and two forty, which I know a lot of people prefer their tight ends to be at, um, in high school, he actually played running back some t- at wide receiver and actually played some at quarterback. He also ran track. He was on the 100 meter and 200 meter sprint team. Just to give you guys an idea of how athletic he was um, in high school. He was also um, on the track team with the both the long and the triple jump. Uh, in his senior season there at high school, he only got to play in seven games because he got an injury, but he did finish um, with just seven receptions for 70 yards and one touchdown. But he also had 1,041 rushing yards with 18 touchdowns uh, in his senior season in high school. Coming into the uh, college season, he as a true freshman, he played in 14 of Utah's games, but only started in two of them, one of which was in the Pac-12 championship. Still ended up leading Utah's tight ends with 227 yards on 20 receptions and one touchdown. Then going into his sophomore season, not only did he lead the tight end position, but he led his entire team in receptions. Now, Granted, take this for what it's worth and take it with a grain of salt because uh, Utah's passing game was god-awful in 2019. He only had 34 receptions for 602 yards and six touchdowns, but he did also get six rushing attempts for 102 yards and three touchdowns. Last year in the COVID-shortened junior season, he again led his team in receiving with 25 receptions for 236 yards and six rushes for 50 yards. Why did I put him on this list? Because I think he's a little bit of a steal here. I'm going to go to his ADP stuff first, and I'll tell you why. Right now, his current ADP is 256. So he's coming off the board. I'm apparently bad at math because Austin corrected me earlier. I don't know. Is that the 21st round, Austin, or is that the 25th round? Because I've been apparently doing this the wrong way. Well, that's like a I, – I can't do that big of one off the top of my Okay. Head. Well, what, I'm what horrible at math, so 256 is his ADP right now. I can tell you that right now he's coming off the board in most drafts as the 32nd tight end off the board, 22nd round. So in the 22nd round as the 32nd tight end off the board, Okay. 
Last year, he finished now as a 36 tight end in fantasy. Granted, you have to put in the fact he only played in uh, five games. However, if you factor in his points per game, 13.22, he finished at 11 at the position. So 11th in points per game with 13 points a game coming off the board as, again, the 32nd tight end here. And why I think he's going to have an even bigger year is they actually have a quarterback there. They got transfer quarterback from Baylor, Charlie Brewer, who I don't want to overrate it, but I believe he went 16 for 16 in their spring game. Regardless, I don't think he's going to be that good, obviously, but he's a much better quarterback than Utah has had the past couple years. And if that trend continues of him not only leading the team in receptions and targets with bad quarterbacks, now you add in a good quarterback, he's going to have an even bigger season. I put him up here on the chart. Uh, whoops, dang it. I closed out of it. I had him up here on the chart, and then I went to Austin Jones because I was going to switch it up, but I stuck with, with Brant here. Uh, but I compared him with a couple of the guys who are right around his size range in Jonu Smith and uh, Brevin Jordan, and he outproduced Brevin Jordan in both years and Jonu Smith in one of them. Now, the last year, Jonu Smith really jumped him. Again, I think some of that goes into the fact that he only got to play in five games last year, but still was over Jarek's metric line in his second and third year. He does have that second-year breakout um, on here with a 13.61 dominator rating last year, a dot of, of 9.1. So an overall decent season last year, two really good seasons before that, not even as the full-on starter. He was a full-on starter last year in a shortened season. Now he gets an upgrade at quarterback, an upgrade in offense as well as they're talking about passing the ball more and adding a guy like Charlie Brewer. You're getting a tight end who I do think is going to get possibly day three draft capital. Not possibly. He's going to get day three draft capital. I would say – Probably not day two, but maybe if he goes out there and has a really good season, he, he comes in at the end of day uh, round three, so he gets that day two draft capital. But with the athleticism that he has and the way that that position is moving toward more more toward these athletic freaks, if he goes out and has a massive season with Charlie Brewer, not only are you getting a guy who clearly can produce on the college side, but is going to get that NFL draft capital at a position that you are starving for on the college side, right? Like we only talk about a couple guys every single year. And it's right now, Eric Gilbert and Michael Mayer and Jal Jaleel Billingsley are like the only guys, but, but Brandt here has been producing all these years and you're getting him as the 30 something tight end off the board in, in 256 of the ADP. Uh, I did one of my first ever Twitter threads about Brandt Quaid many, many moons ago. So I will, I will endorse that. Um, as as the only person with points in this in this contest, I feel like I endorse. Does that mean I get a dub? <laughs> Just give it to me, Moxley. We don't even need to hear Austin. Well, I don't. I don't think my guy's going to win this round, but I do really, really like him. And he's a guy that I really don't hear anybody talking about. Um, I, we talked a little bit about him a couple of weeks ago on the C two C pod. I think myself and Colin. I think I did a freshman profile on him. Uh, Michael Jackson the third, uh, freshman wide receiver at USC. Uh, Three-star kid in this year's class and and kind of bumped up. He, he was rated a little bit lower than that uh, before the year. He's six foot 200, so he kind of has that that stockier build for the position, you know, kind of like a guy that was you know, like like Parker Washington last year, who wasn't a super highly rated kid, but had that build and, and came into a school that he got some opportunity right away. And now we really like Parker Washington. Um, and I think Michael Jackson the third can do something similar. There's not a lot of stuff out there on him because, like I said, he wasn't a super highly sought-after recruit uh, through much of this. You know, he doesn't have verified athletic testing. He looks like a good athlete. You know, he kind of looks like one of those guys that when he has the ball in his hand, he looks like a running back, you know, like the uh, you know, the Amari Rogers or the Parker Washington or, or that, that profile of guy. Um, but what I can say about him is that from what we've seen, you know, in the USC spring game, he tore it up. He had a really good game. You know, USC split their roster in that game so that, Slovis started, 
uh, for the one team. And then Dart was the backup. And they've said that Dart is probably going to be the second guy. So they, they put both of those guys with what looks to be the first string offense. You know, it's the team that Drake London played with, that Stephen Carr played with, who's, you know, gone now. But but we thought he was going to get some significant touches there. Um, all, all these guys were together. Um, and Jackson was the second leading receiver there. You know, London got his, I don't think no one's predicting that any of these other receivers are going to outproduce Drake London this year. He's going to be the clear number one guy in that offense, but Jackson put up three for 42 and one had a couple of really nice catches. Didn't look out of place at all. Really took advantage of an off season in which a lot of the other receivers in that team were either absent or really, or banged up, you know, Kyle Ford coming back from the knee injury, Todd Washington transferring in, didn't participate. Uh, Gary Bryant was dinged up. Another guy that I like uh, there. Uh, Brew McCoy is just not very good. So you take all these things together and kind of combine them. And I think it created a perfect opportunity for him to go to a major school, show what he can do. Slovis apparently likes him. And I, I think, you know, they run a lot of three and four wide receiver stuff. You know, Graham Harrell is a Mike Leach disciple. He's going to put a lot of guys on the, a lot of receivers on the field, spread them out. And then, you know, do little quick hitting type things. And I think that's the type of game where Jackson can excel early. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if he's like their third leading receiver this year. It just really, really wouldn't. That's all I got, Chris. I know you're speechless. <laughs> yeah, that was that was great. Um, so we're going to break uh, Austin's streak of two in a row. And we're going to give it to uh, Mr. Bruning over there. You're, I you're think done. that was a. You're done. You're done. Your career is oh, done. Man. I feel like, hang on, hang on, hang on. Before, before you continue, <laughs> before you continue, Chris, I feel like there's only one person here who doesn't have a. <laughs> yeah, okay. Just, just check. Continue. So I, I think you made some really good points about how he's going to get you production on the college side. He's very athletic. Um, and I, it's hard for me to take a. Uh, five, six, 170 running back. And I really like Jackson as well, but he's done nothing. Um, Coyth is at least produced at a very high level. Um, and I do think he has NFL upside too with his athleticism, even if he's on the smaller side of tight ends. I think he's done really well. So if I had to rank y'all, it's gonna be Bruning, Austin, and then Felix bringing up the rear. And for what it's worth, I think Quaith is going to be more of an H back in the NFL. I really, really I, like I, 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 I think that's what he. I agree with you. I agree. Yeah. All right, um, we're going to move through our last two rounds a little bit quicker. So, um, another guy that I had, and I guess I'm going since I'm last, I'm going, going first this time. Correct. So, all right, um, a guy that another guy that I've been talking about a lot is Chris Smith. Chris Smith is a running back at the University of Louisiana Lafayette. He has been behind uh, Raymond Calais, and who's a seventh-round pick for the Rams, and then Trey Regis and uh, uh, Eli Mitchell. UL is low-key G5 running back U. Now, this is an offense that returns eight starters on offense, including their quarterback, Levi Lewis, uh, four out of five on, of the offensive linemen. They have averaged – 3,000 yards rushing the last three seasons, and that production was usually, you know, split between uh, uh, three guys, at least three guys. It's going to all go to our majority of it, I think, is going to go to, to Chris Smith this year. College uh, fantasy guys have picked up 
on how productive this guy could be. He's going to be probably a running back one uh, mm-hmm. on the college side of your campus to Canton leagues. And he is a, he's a, a, a speed player, an explosive player who these coaches, even when he had Raymond Calais and Trey Regis and Elijah Mitchell in front of him, they still found ways to get him, the, get him the ball. He was an all American kick returner last year. And again, an, an, a player that I've covered for campus to Canton. I just think that given their, that team's rushing style and his skill set is all purpose, explosive speed skill set. He could potentially lead the country in Russia. That's not, that's within his range of outcomes um, because he's going to, he's going to break a lot of long runs. So Chris Smith, AKA lightning is uh, my fourth, my guy for the 2021 season. Cool. Um, so I chose uh, Jerome Ford here um, for my, my fourth guy. Um, he, I, I really debated if I was going to talk about him cause he is a little more hope high profile than, than some of the other guys I discussed here. Um, but I've, I've just been a big Jerome Ford fan for years. I, I thought he would succeed at Bama, you know, after maybe a year or two, but he decided that he did not want to do the, the wait, the wait and see route. Like some of these other guys have there. Um, so he left Alabama, um, but he was a four-star, uh, running back, uh, number 12, all purpose back in the 2018 class. Um, and so he left Alabama and he set sail for Cincinnati. And I honestly thought that he would get a lot more touches there last year. I'm not really sure why he didn't, because I don't think I ever saw anything out of Jared Dokes that, you know, made me feel really, really good about Jared Dokes or what he brings to an offense. Um, Cause Ford is just a better athlete. You know, he, he is, he's kind of that slasher type of running back that Cam Akers is, you know, I think that, that, that kind of running back profile is really where he rests. And I, I do kind of, like that running back style um last year 10 games 73 carries 483 yards 6.6 per carry clip eight touchdowns uh did a little bit in the passing game but that offense as a whole does not do that much for the running backs in that area Um, but he had that big bowl game against georgia where he went eight eight ninety seven and one against a pretty stout georgia defense um and really flashed with dokes gone now um, and he's probably on your favorite fantasy analyst bench on uh, their their dynasty roster now because um, he seems to be the hot name here. But I, I think Ford's going to step seamlessly right into that role. I think he's going to outproduce whatever Dokes did last year. I think he's a significantly better player, and it I I think he could be a top ten college running back this year. I really really do. And in in a Cincinnati offense that you know they they're a strong offense. They bring back a ton of guys on both sides of the ball. They're going, they're looking to compete for a national championship and they got very lucky this year that they have that quality of roster and they have a chance for a signature win against Notre Dame. Um, so things are setting up nicely for guys like Ford and Ritter. If, if Cincinnati goes out there and does what I think they can do to really vault themselves up some discussions um, talking about, you know, the NFL draft and for college fantasy as well. Yeah, I, I, I really like Jerome Ford too. He's probably going to be the the guy that I lose to here because unlike Felix's guy who get might get some work, my guy is actually going to get the work, and that's Jalen Cropper out of uh, Fresno State, the wide receiver. Uh, I'll try and limit this because I feel like I've been the one going long here. So in high school, he played defensive back, quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. So kind of like a theme I've had going here for some of these guys I've talked about, um, and it's because I'm doing an article on him. These guys who played multiple positions and they come into college football as a freshman – now, he played in 10 games, only made five starts, but got 652 all-purpose yards just based on some rushing, receiving, and then uh, kickoff returns as well, but made his big breakout last year. 
in the 2020 season with Felix's guy, Jake Hayner there. Uh, he led the team in receptions and it was not even close. Uh, 57 receptions for him. The only person who had more than him was Ronnie Rivers, the running back who Felix actually talked about last week, who had a hundred, um, no, I'm sorry. I actually had less than that. He was third in snaps, though, with 41 just behind uh, Ronnie Rivers and Jay Kaner. He's a versatile athlete. He can play all over the field. He did line up mostly in the slot, though, in 2020. 90% of his snaps were in the slot, uh, but he is very reliable. Hands really good ball tracking. You go and you watch some of the film on him, and he tracks it like – I did a lot of work on him and, and Tavian Robinson just recently because he's in the article as well. And just their ability to track the ball, I think, is is really good. Uh, he gets very clean release off the line, and once he does, he quickly eats up defenders and gets behind them. He shows good vision when rushing the ball as well. I think some of that obviously coming from being a running back in high school, and he's a threat to score on every single play. Uh, I mean, 9.4 A dot, he had a 27.3 weighted dominator rating. I did the, the little graph thing for him on here, and he did have that second-year breakout. He just missed breaking out as a freshman as well. He was just under uh, that line as a freshman, comes in now sophomore, and Coming in Fresno State, again, sticking with the theme I've had, 17th best offense last year, and they don't play that great of competition, if we're all being honest here. Jake Hayner, I think, is going to be good, continue doing that. Uh, they had the 11th most plays ran in college in passing plays. Uh, right now, Cropper isn't even being drafted in the top 30 rounds of C2C. He is at, coming off the board after the 130th wide receiver right now. He finished 11 in, 11th in points per game last year and 30th uh, as a fantasy scoring wide receiver, which I think is going to just continue to move up because he's going to get more work. We saw him take that step forward last year. I think he's going to take it even more of a step forward this year because I don't think there's really anybody else on Fresno State's team that's going to compete for receptions or targets. So, Jalen Cropper, the now junior wide receiver for Fresno State, is my guy. This was a good round. I actually like all these guys a lot. I will I will say Austin's guy is going like 15 rounds above everybody else's. So that kind of feels like a cop-out. So <laughs> I'm going to give it to Felix because I don't think that's necessarily fair. That... Austin gets the guy going like 20 rounds earlier. So what I like about Chris Smith is that I do agree with Felix that he is going to be a very productive back. I think he finishes in top 10. Uh, the thing that worries me about Jerome Ford, which is why it was close, is that he couldn't beat out Dokes. And I, to me, that's a worrying sign. Um, and I also really like Cropper, too. I think he's a very, uh, very interesting producer. And like you said, brooding, he crossed a lot of the metrics threshold that we're looking at. So he's a guy I'm definitely targeting late. I like all of these picks, actually. I just I don't appreciate Austin going twenty rounds early compared to everybody else. So we we had we were given no information as to this was the game when I picked these teams. So yeah, and I mean, in in fairness to Austin, I literally only picked the people I'm literally just finished writing about. I was like, well, I've already done all this research on them, so I might as well just talk about them here before I put out the article. Also, for in this game, as I say, for what it's I can't worth, get Austin another win. With, without him overtaking Dokes, you know, he he had half his carries, but he he, he was pretty actually fairly close in yardage. He outproduced him yeah. on a per touch basis and he had more touchdowns. I think some of that so, is just I, is, I don't understand is, what happened there. I really I, I, I will say the one thing with Dokes and and Ford, I honestly think is is Luke Farrell. 
having him that year at Ohio State, he was very much a play your seniors, play your veteran guys over some of the younger guys in the one year that he was there. I think he probably takes that to Cincinnati with him. And so I think that might be some of why. Because I, I would, Jerome Ford, if you watched any of Cincinnati's games, Jerome Ford was just the better player, and he just wasn't getting the carries for some reason. This game is like very anticlimactic, given that all we can hope for is either a tie or Austin winning by. I mean, it's going to be a tie or Austin winning by. Austin's two, not going to win the last round. I'm very confident in my last pick. So, all right. So, I guess Austin's well, going who, first. Who now. finished last? Did Austin finish last or did I finish last? Um, I think Austin finished last. Austin, why don't you go close us out, man? Yeah, I'm a, go, yeah Austin is going to go last. Sure. So I this is one that I've kind of been keeping close to the vest, to be completely honest, because I wanted to pick him up in some drafts as just a, a complete uh, free space, uh, more or less. Uh, he is the tools. He has quarterback that you that no one ever talks about when it comes to C2C and the, or, you know, in, in college football. And it's Brendan Armstrong. And granted, I I'm going to get into it here in a minute or so, but he he's not an NFL quarterback like at all. When you watch him, he really, really isn't. But. I, you know, you, you hear talk about sleeper guys and you hear, you know, Caleb Ellaby or KJ Jefferson or Jeff Sims and Brandon Armstrong is, is, you know, going to, going to put up those type of, type of fantasy points next year. He really, really is. He's a former three-star number 20 dual threat in the 2018 class, went to Virginia, uh, 6 um, really didn't take control of their starting job. Um, uh, Lavelle David is out for the year. Lavelle Davis is out for the year. So, um, unfortunately. Yes, he blew out his knee. What are you commenting here, Felix? Um, that honestly probably helps helps the case I'm about to make because his his best targets out. But so he he took over the starting job last year in nine games, uh, completed just under sixty percent of his passes, uh, a little over two thousand yards, uh, eighteen touchdowns, eleven interceptions. Um, but the the passing game isn't what I care about. You know, he does have a very strong arm. You know, there there he has there there. Are, a lot of clips of him last year where he has a guy in his face and he, he can still get the ball 50 yards downfield without really stepping into it at all. Um, but it's his rushing upside. You know, last year he uh, 126 carries 552 yards, uh, five touchdowns. And he, he can break runs, you know, on design quarterback stuff and, you know, out of structure as well. Uh, he can do both of those things on uh, from a pure fantasy point perspective. He is the 11th uh, best uh, returning quarterback in all of NCAA Division One football, ahead of guys like Spencer Rattler, Derek King, uh, Chevin Cordero, Michael Penix, Keaton Slovis, Carson Strong, Jeff Sims, and Phil Jerkovich. Now, granted, Rattler has an NFL future. You know, Jerkovich gets talk about it. Strong gets talk about it. Slovis does. Um, but I, you know, I haven't seen so much more out of Chevin Cordero or Jeff Sims or you know Derek King, who's like forty-five years old to make me think that I would want any of those guys more than Brennan Armstrong, who outproduced all of them last year. Um, and like I said, he's not an NFL guy, you know, completed less than 60% of his passes um, last year. Uh, Jarek's magic line hates him in virtually every single um, uh, metric that you can possibly imagine. So you're taking this guy in the 25th round and you know that you're not getting any, any production, but like in leagues, like I just did a league, a draft where I didn't take a quarterback until the 18th round. I'm fine with Brendan Armstrong as like my QB two in that scenario because he's going to put up big points. Uh, you know, Virginia's bad; they're going to they're going to be playing from behind a lot. I like that for him. So game script wise, you know, tools wise, just all of it I think comes together, and he puts up a very very nice season this year. 
All right. Um, I guess we're going to go to another Brennan, and that's Brennan Presley, the sophomore wide receiver for for uh, uh, Oklahoma State. From Bixie, Oklahoma, the Presley name actually means something in that area. His family is very athletic. His sister um, broke the 100-meter state record and it is now a member of the uh, Old Miss track team. Uh, he has another sister who's a st uh, state champions a sprinter and went to uh, uh, Oregon State also. Um, this 5'8", 170, I've got the the scale of the, the different sides of the spectrum as far as athletes go for today. Um, but you talk about how productive he was in high school. His, his junior year in high school, 67 receptions for 1,081 yards. His senior year, 98 receptions for 1,515 yards, 24 touchdowns. And we saw what he could do in the final game. Again, some of these freshmen breaking out very late because of uh, everything going on with COVID last year. But in the final game, he puts up, he puts up six for 118 and, and 19 uh, for Oklahoma State. Um, that game where Tylen Wallace essentially takes himself out of the out, out of the game at halftime. There's nothing. Uh, Spencer Sanders is not going to have anyone else to throw to. This guy is going to be a slot receiver, very shifty and reliable. Um, he, I think, could be a, a a free space as far as wide receiver goes. You could pick him up and put, plug him right into into one of your starting wide receiver positions. And we just saw the NFL take a wide receiver who was less than 160 pounds, a wide receiver who was less than uh, 150 pounds in the second round. And so, you know, the glass ceiling may be broken on size in the NFL, especially if you have the speed. And I think that this player is going to be very productive as a sophomore. So Brennan Presley, Brennan Presley, the wide receiver out of Oregon State, is my final, uh, my guy for the 2021 season. All right, my final, my guy for the 2020, is it 2021 or 2022? I'm so confused now. 2021, right? Anyways, Austin Jones out of Stanford, running back. Uh, in high school, he finished his career with 940 carries, 6,905 rushing yards, 92 touchdowns, finished second all-time, uh, as the second all-time career rusher in the Bay Area. I will save you guys the time of listing all of the awards he won, but it is lengthy. Check out my article. In his freshman season, he came in as the backup to Cameron Scar uh, Scarlett, but still finished with 45 carries, 227 rushing yards, and one touchdown, 14 receptions, and 108 yards. Sophomore season, again, reminder, Limited due to COVID, played in six games. He had 126 carries for 550 yards and nine touchdowns while adding 21 receptions, 156 yards on that as well. Those 21 receptions were second most on the team. He won two awards for his performance this year. Finished with 22.99 total EPA per rush. He had four breakaway runs, 10 explosive runs, 32 first downs, and a 34.18 weighted dominator rating. Jones is entering his third year here with Stanford. I think he's going to continue to get the ball. Is he the most athletic back in this uh, in this class? No, he does not have that top end speed. However, I think he has everything else. If you guys talk about how Felix has a type at wide receiver, I have a type at running back. He has great lateral speed. I think his feet and movement behind the line is incredible. I will not use the E word, but it is damn close to that. His vision is, I think, some of the best, if not the best in this class. I would put it up there with Brees Hall. He is a phenomenal running back. The way he waits for his 
his blocks to get set up, and the way that he moves behind the line is phenomenal. He finished 33rd in points last year at 144.9, but 8th in points per game. Uh, his current ADP right now is 122, so he's going, if I did the math right, in the 10th round as the 46th running back off the board. Again, a guy who finished 33rd, so even if he sticks right around that, which I would imagine he doesn't because he's going to play more than five games this year outside of injury, you're already getting a value there, an eighth in points per game. I did throw up his chart just to put him up against the top guys in this class ahead of him. Obviously, Brees Hall has smashed him both years, freshman year and his sophomore year. Some of that being, again, to the due to the fact that he did not play much his freshman year, and so did Isaiah Spiller. However, if you look at his second year, and again, Brees Hall and Isaiah Spiller, what did they both do this year? Pretty much play every single game. I'm pretty sure Brees Hall played every single game. Isaiah Spiller, I believe Texas A&M had maybe one game canceled due to COVID, so I'm not 100% sure, but I know he played in a lot of games. Austin Jones finishes literally, you cannot even see the space in between Isaiah Spiller and Austin Jones on that graph for adjusted, what was it, adjusted team yards per play which uh, Jarek told me is a very big thing for running backs, finishes better than Eric Gray and much better than uh, Kyron Williams as well, both those guys. Now, all four did finish above the chart, but I think it would surprise many people to think it was Brees Hall, Isaiah Spiller, and then Austin Jones literally slides right in there under Isaiah Spiller, and you wouldn't think it because of he does not have the athleticism and the I would say explosive speed that Isaiah Spiller has, but Austin Jones is being a is a very underrated running back uh, in this uh, in this group in this class. And I think if he goes out and has another great year for Stanford, he could end up getting some pretty decent draft capital. And I think he's going to produce on the college side. Pick a winner. Pick a winner. I, I like all these guys again. I, I think these are all great picks. I uh, really like Austin Jones. I think he has dual threat ability. He's a great receiver. He's a solid rusher. His backfield dominator rating is awesome. Like the stats you mentioned, uh, Bruning were really impressive. Um, so he's 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 the guy that I, I'm really trying to keep an eye on for the next season. But Armstrong and Presley both have elite, I'm going to use the E word, upside in your C2C formats for this season. So all, all three of these guys are great picks and, and values where they're going. What, excuse me? What? Who won that round, sir? Bruning. <laughs> I like Austin Jones. Oh, yeah. Bruning. Already, already, oh, okay. Felix was hoping. He was hoping, but I'm pretty sure that's I thought he was cemented. giving a point to everybody, which I was like, wait a minute. No participation. Yeah, that's all. Hey, Austin, high five. We tied. I'm all okay right. with that. I'm okay Austin, with just being... recap. Uh, recap. Just give all five of your your uh, my guys for the 2021 season. <clears throat> yeah, so Jaden Wally, from Mississippi, wide receiver from Mississippi State. Jalen McMillan, wide receiver, Washington. Michael Jackson, the third wide receiver, uh, USC, Jerome Ford, running back Cincinnati, and Brennan Armstrong, quarterback UVA. Bruning. Grant Gannell, quarterback Memphis. Calvin Austin, the second wide receiver Memphis. Brant Keithy, right? Dang it, I always mess it up. But tight end for Utah, Jalen Cropper, wide receiver Fresno State, and Austin Jones, running back Stanford. And my list included Troy O'Meary out of wide uh, wide receiver from Texas, Anthony Richardson, the quarterback from Florida, Brian Bette, the running back from the U University of South Florida, uh, Chris Smith, the running back from University of Louisiana Lafayette, and finally Brennan Presley, the diminutive but dominant wide receiver from Oklahoma State. At least that's what I'm projecting him. All right, Chris, um, I know you were participating in the show today, but did we get anything wrong? 
I would. I think you all did a good job. Very well researched. Uh, two notes I will make that Grant Canell does hold the Texas State passing record, but 18 of the not top 19 holders of those records were either bust or undrafted. Gary Gilbert is one that went drafted, and Kyler Murray is the only one that was actually a successful player, so I'm not sure that stat matters all that much. Uh, the second portion was Batay, Phillips to Compton to Ely. Ely's got 20 pounds and two and a half inches on him. So he's got a long way to go if he wants to get up to Ely's size. But besides that, you all did a really good job. All right. Check out the latest content around campusdecan.com, including uh, an, an analysis on the Broncos' backfield situation by Matt Fox. That's our written content there at campusdecan.com. Undrafted free agents that you should be paying attention to by our own Alfred Fernandez. And Alfred has released a new Why Wait Till, till uh, Sunday. So check that out. And that is going to be our show for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreet. We ran out of time, but we will get him rescheduled soon. For Matt Bruning and Austin Ace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State National Champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks at the end zone. Hunter and Bob caught it. Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. I made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.